0: Welcome to this week's Mana House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Mark. Come on, you can do better than that. Put your hands together for them. That was amazing. How many actually believe that? Come on, one day in his house is better than a thousand elsewhere. My goodness. Man, I just love to be in church with this beautiful family. You should be smiling right now, I just called you beautiful, come on. Good morning to you. It's the happiest day of my week when we get get together and just just talk about Jesus. Um, I just wanna just take a moment to greet our guests, everybody online. Would you do me a favor, put your hands together. We love you guys, we're so glad that you're with us. I want to do a special shout out to Tiffany in Virginia. Come on, would you put your hands together for Tiffany? So glad that you're with you. I was texting with you earlier. It's awesome that you're with us. Hey, listen, today is uh, Palm Sunday. And this represents the beginning of one of the most significant events in history. This week, Jesus would, what we know as the triumphal entry, Jesus would enter into Jerusalem. He would ultimately hang on a cross for you and I. He would pay the penalty for a sin that he didn't commit because he wanted to make sure he had a personal, intimate relationship with you. Sometimes we forget about the price that he paid for us. And you know, as we think about Easter and we think about this Good Friday that's coming up and the services that we'll be having, It really is a great ending to a series that we've been on called Culture Matters. It really comes down to us understanding that Daniel just didn't live a life that we were to model, but ultimately Jesus lived a life that we were to follow. And if there was anybody ever that ever walked the face of this earth that was unlike the rest of culture, it would have been Jesus. Jesus chose not to be a separatist. He didn't just want to hide. He didn't want to escape. Jesus wasn't a syncretist. He didn't try to just fit in and compromise. He came down and he loved people unconditionally, but he spoke uncompromising truth. And he modeled to us what actually a creative minority looks like. How are we supposed to engage in a world that's unlike us and impact it? For the kingdom of God. And so when you think about this idea, creative minority, we've been talking about it over the last seven weeks. If you haven't heard all the messages, man, I'd love for you to check them out. But we've been working with this definition a creative minority. Speaking of us is that a community of believers, come on, say man house. This is us, come on, that we are a community of believers who live out God's story. We recognize our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. Galatians 2.20 says, It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And from the beginning of time, God had you in mind, and he placed you here and now to be a part of accomplishing his purposes, building his kingdom, not your kingdom. Probably need an amen right there, right? It got pretty quiet. Come on. And so we're part of God's story. That's who we are as a family, and he wants us to live the way that Jesus showed us to live. That's why we're called Christians. We're Christ-like, and in doing so, we give God all the glory. We don't take the glory, and ultimately, all of that happens so that we can impact the culture around us, that we can, we can have um, just a, an influential impact in people all around us. That's what this series is all about. And this morning I want to uh, title my message this. It's pretty simple. If you're taking notes, write it down. You can open up the app. It's real easy. It's go, excuse me. No, show and go. How many think they can remember that one? Come on. Come on, say it with me. No. Come on, no. Show and go. Daniel actually lived a life for over 6 decades. Modeling to us how he knew the truth, how he showed the truth, and how he went and told the truth. It's the same thing that Jesus did. And as we look at Easter, and Easter is right in front of us this Good Friday, Easter, we have the wonderful privilege of inviting people to experience the same Jesus that you experience, to have a personal relationship with him. There's 2.3 million people in the Portland-Vancouver area that don't know him. They think it's all about brunch and walking your dogs this morning. Now I'm trying to get there. I got my Hawaiian shirt on. It's 85 degrees for me outside, and I'm trying to get there. But really, um, this is about making sure that people know that God loves them. Do you know that people today... Recent survey says that if they were invited to church on Easter, one out of four would attend. In fact, they're four times more likely to come to church on Easter than any other given week of the year. So why not us? As the creative minority, take these last seven weeks and apply it to our life, and go into the marketplace and our neighborhoods and our schools, and talk to our relatives, friends, and neighbors and coworkers. Invite them out to Good Friday, 7 p.m. Here, our Easter services: 9, 10:30, and 11, or excuse me, 12. 9, yeah, 9, 10:30, and noon, and invite people out to the services. What would it look like if we could fill this place with hundreds of people that gave their life to Jesus? That's what the creative minority is all about. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So I'd love for you to do that. Grab some connect cards or some touch cards on the way out. You can give these. I just encourage even small group leaders, take a whole stack and get your group to go out or hand them, pray over them. But let's make sure that we're inviting people. We're posting social media. We're doing whatever it takes to let people know Uh, There's an opportunity for them to hear about Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? Well, this series, we've really been looking at the life of a guy named Daniel. And really, this book is kind of spanned over six different decades. Early on when he was 16, he was captured and taken out of Jerusalem along with thousands of other exiles and taken to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar would now be in charge and he would begin to tried to brainwash and change Daniel and his friends to become more like the Babylonian culture in which they lived. And what we see as we look at this particular story throughout his six decades of his life, he showed us three things repeatedly over and over and over again. And if there was one message that sums up all the other six, it's this one. Daniel showed us this. You got to know the truth. You got to show the truth, and you got to go and tell the truth. It's kind of what Jesus lived his life doing too. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to Daniel chapter 4, if you have your Manahouse app, you can open that up. There's lots of scriptures in there for you to follow. And and I want to look at this portion of scripture. It's now about, oh, I would say 30 years past last weekend's message Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace. So Daniel's now about 50 years old. King Nebuchadnezzar has had two different dreams and three miraculous encounters with the king of kings. And we see in this story, there's another terrifying dream. A few weeks ago, we looked at chapter two, where it talked about a dream he had. And here he is now 30 years later having a dream. It's kind of like Groundhog Day. He's asking for the enchanters and the sorcerers and the magicians and astrologers to try to interpret his dream. They can't, so he finally calls Daniel to interpret his dream. And it's this dream that he has about this huge tree that grows with these leaves all over and large branches and beasts that would come under and birds that would be in it. And it's this picture of him and his influence and his impact. And he begins to tell him how this tree's gonna be cut down. And over a period of seven seasons, that there's going to be a tragedy that comes. And ultimately, as he interprets the dream, he's basically telling King Nebuchadnezzar, listen, you're gonna, your kingdom's going to be cut down. You're going to be made like a madman. You're going to eat the grass of the field. You're going to walk around with the cows You're going to kind of like become like Chewbacca from Star Wars. I mean, just hair growing out all over your face and long nails. And you're just going to be insane. He says, but however, if you turn your life to the king of kings, God will restore your kingdom. But it took him seven stinking years to figure that out. I mean, like for me, it's like day one. You know, if you're going to be insane and start eating grass and walking around with cows, how many think you just kind of like sign the dotted line today? It's just kind of like, okay, I got it right here. Man, I might not be a very smart man, but I know what love is. Right? I'm just going to sign the line. took him seven years. Ultimately, he would recognize because of Daniel's example that the most high was truly the king of kings. his kingdom would be restored. And it's in that context I want to look at the story. One of the first things that you see as you look at this particular story is is that we've been talking about this for seven weeks. The culture of Babylon is a lot like the culture of America today. And one of the indicators that we see of why our nation is in such um, shambles right now is because there's no longer this thing called absolute truth. Everybody gets to make up their own truth, their own idea, their own reality, They get to make up their own moral rules. They get to behave how they want to behave. And you have no right to tell me how I'm going to behave because it's my world and my life. I become the center of the world. It's a whole different belief system and worldview than we would have as believers. As the story unfolds, we recognize that King Nebuchadnezzar, again, thousands of years ago, but it's the same devil today, we find that he was having the same problem that so many people have today. And in Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 and 7, it says this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to how he states his life. I was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. It's all about me. I've got everything that I want. And I've got the chariots and the horses and got all the fine clothes and the delicacies. He's just going, my life is amazing. But listen to what happens, just in a moment's notice. It says, I saw a dream that made me afraid. Because he didn't have absolute truth, because he didn't have a biblical framework, one trial, one challenge disrupted his whole world. He didn't have any place to hold on to to the anchor in the midst of his storm, so to speak. And it says, so I laid in bed at the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all of the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me and that they may make known to me the interpretation of my dream. Then the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers came and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. He's looking for truth in all of the wrong places and can't find a thing. Here's here's a guy that, it says in one hand, he's prospering, and he's living at ease. But it's almost like he's heckle and juckle. He says, but I'm afraid and troubled. And you just stop and you think about the world around us. Everybody's trying to find the prosperity and to live this American dream at ease. And the more that we acquire without the truth, the more confused we become. And we see our nation today. You look at the depression rate and the suicide rate and anxiety rate. I said this over and over again. We represent 5% of the world's population, but we consume 80% of the opiates. It's like we're trying to medicate ourselves and alcoholism and drugs and trying to find sex with people. Whatever it is that we're we're trying to fill these voids. Why? It's because our culture is missing the truth. They want prosperity. We want to live at ease. But they're troubled and afraid. And it just takes just the wrong little thing to just kind of disrupt their whole life. Reminds me of the story of this lady. She was very rich, wealthy lady checks into Ritz-Carlton. She's got her Gucci bag, goes to her room to freshen up for dinner. And as she's putting on her lipstick in the mirror, she hears this noise in her room. She's freaking out. She's going, oh, my gosh, that, that sounds like a rattlesnake. And all of a sudden, she freaks out, and she looks to her bag right over by the door, and she, she realizes that there's a rattlesnake that has got into her bag. So she flies the door open, she grabs the purse, she throws it out over the rail, down onto the mezzanine, and starts screaming to all the crowds down below and the people in the cafe, there's a rattlesnake in my bag, there's a rattlesnake in my bag, and the bellboys come running over, they've got their fire extinguishers, and people are scattering, and they open up the fire extinguisher into her back, right, just squirting in there, right, and it's just going on and on. So finally they just take the bag and they drop it off and they jump out and they recognize that her electric toothbrush was on. It's, it's, it's just, that's funny. I don't care if you didn't laugh. Or I think that's pretty funny. It's like our world today. It's like, it's like the littlest thing creates such great commotion and frenzy today. It's because they don't have the truth. And what we see in this story, Daniel, once again, he points this out for us. you got to know the truth. you got to show the truth. And you got to go and tell the truth. And so as we look at this story, what begins to unfold is this idea of knowing the truth. As you go back to your story, Daniel is given this wonderful privilege to share truth with the king. It's like you and I, we have this wonderful privilege every day, even though we may not see it, to share the good news with people, but sometimes we don't even see it. Daniel saw it. And in verse 9, we see as the story unfolds, King Nebuchadnezzar says, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because, listen to what he says, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And that no mystery is too difficult for you. Listen to these two words. Tell me! It's like, tell me the visions. He's tormented. He's gone to the astrologers and the enchanters and the sorcerers. He's he's trying to figure out why he's so troubled. He's just going, tell me! So he tells him the dream, and verse 18 comes back, and he tells him again. So he bookends the dream by saying, tell me. And then he tells him the dream, and he says, listen, you've got to tell me the interpretation. And here's a moment, listen to me, where he's given this divine appointment, this moment, this turning point in the history of someone that was created by God to tell the truth. But in order to share the truth, listen to me, you've got to know the truth. God will give every single one of us divine appointments where we have the wonderful privilege, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, someone in the marketplace. We have these wonderful opportunities. And when they come, we better know the truth. And so I thought it would be appropriate for our time this morning just to take a few minutes and just kind of dive in in the spirit of Easter and the season that we're in as a church. Do you know the truth? Can you share that truth with someone that says, tell me about your God. Tell me about this thing called Christianity. What is the good news? So I want to do that for a couple minutes. We would call the good news the gospel. And I want to just take a look at this. The gospel to me is simply this. It's the life-altering news that Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, became human. He lived in the plane. We run out in 90 seconds. We all die. You guys, no, you guys are still smiling because you don't understand the problem. Right? You guys are happy. You're eating your little macadamia nuts and you're thinking, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. And you guys are just all excited about it. The reason why I like the world today is so happy trying to find it because they don't understand the problem, so they're just smiling, doing life as the plane's going down. So I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. The pilot says this to me. He says, listen, the only way I can help you, Mark, is I've got three parachutes. I know there's hundreds of people but at least we can do for you is give you three parachutes. So obviously I grab the first one, I put it on, I'm not stupid. I might be a little bit selfish, but uh, I ain't going down. So I put on a parachute, and I walk out, and I see a couple of the guys in first class, and I've got to talk to them about the problem. But the first guy, decided to take an approach that we often do, I want to try to give them the solution without the problem. So I walk up to Gabe and say, hey, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm so glad that you're on the plane with us. Hey, listen, uh, you you notice I'm wearing a a parachute here. That's awesome. I know it looks a little bit funny. I fly a lot too. Don't see a lot of people like that. But let me tell you a little bit about my parachute. I'm part of a parachute club. And we we get together every Sunday and we sing songs about parachutes. There's this good-looking, very well-fit ball guy that, that talks about parachutes and he tells us to get in groups about parachutes and I mean, it's just awesome. And I tell you, listen, if you put on the parachute, your life is going to be changed. It's going to be better. It's going to be all good. And you're going, I don't know if I want a parachute. It kind of looks funky. I don't want. I said, please, come on, put, put on the parachute. Go. no, I don't want to. Put the parachute on. So he, he puts the parachute on. Just get that thing on. Get that parachute on. My goodness, what are we messing with these days? So he, he's got a parachute on. Sit back down, too, while you're out. Just sit down. A little uncomfortable, isn't it? It's kind of like being a Christian today, huh? You're just kind of feeling like I don't fit in. It's a little bit weird. Everybody's laughing at me. He's feeling funny because he doesn't understand the problem. He's trying to give him the solution. You go to Robbie, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> That's good. Not for long, <laughs> bud. <laughs> I got some bad news for you. Yes. We're out of gas. Ninety seconds, we all die. Oh, wow. bah! I mean, right? It's like he's he's putting the parachute on. Why? Listen to me. Listen to me. You got. He understands the problem. Now, all of a sudden, all of you are on the plane, you're eating your nuts, you're watching little dumb movies on the back of the seat thing, and just, you're all excited about your trip, you're looking at all the brochures, and all of a sudden, you realize there's three people on the plane wearing parachutes. (laughs) Right? So we're kind of like Christians, right? And all of a sudden, so you begin to mock them. Ah, Look at you! You're a parachute thumper, aren't you? Yeah, I've read all about you. I got people that just, you're, you're, just, you're, you're just a parachute hypocrite, aren't you? You're so judgmental, and so narrow-minded. Why would you be wearing that? You're thinking, and all of a sudden, the more that you mock him, the more he's thinking, wait a minute. That guy told me that my life was going to be better. All of a sudden, I put on my parachute, recognize I'm different. Now things begin to change. So what does he do? Because he doesn't understand the problem, he wants to give up the parachute. So you take your parachute off now. You're going to forget this. You throw it down. Who cares, right? You sit back down. It's just like, I ain't doing this, now. I'm going to just go sleep with whoever, smoke with whatever, do whatever I just want to do because this ain't what I signed up for. Then you got Roddy. Look at those shoes! <laughs> you just you just begin, you just kind of like, you're a parachute thumper too. I just, I love your haircut, by the way, but other than that, you're just a thumper. You're just a thumper. And the more that you mock him, the tighter he grows to, this, to his parachute, right? And it's like 90 seconds. He opens up the door, he looks at you and says, Mock on, wham, he's out. He realizes his only hope is a parachute. Amen. The solution. Put your hands together for our wonderful actors. Thank you so much. If people. Don't understand the problem, their sinful condition, their immeasurable, eternal separation from God. The solution will mean nothing to them. God, man, problem, solution. The solution is simple. God devised a plan that placed the death penalty upon the only person in the universe that could take man's place. And his name is Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden, it's like the solution means something now. And if we don't articulate the problem, the solution means nothing. This is what was taking place in the story with Daniel thousands of years ago. He had an opportunity to be able to share it. When you have an opportunity to share the truth, you better know the truth. 1 Peter 3.15, right, says, Always be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. Now, tomorrow, work now. It's just like someone says, boom, I know the good news. God, man, problem, solution. God, man, problem, solution. God, man, problem, solution. More than just inviting them to church, help them to understand that Jesus died for them, right? So the first thing we see him doing is that we, we see Daniel, he knew the truth. The second thing we see Daniel doing is that he showed the truth. It's not enough just to know it, you got to show it. It's not just what you believe or what you say, it's how you live. which has been a huge part of this series. And as you go back to your story, you find in Daniel chapter 4, verse 9, this is the king saying to Daniel, he says, I know that the holy gods is in you and that there's no mystery too difficult to you. Why would he even say that? Because he saw Daniel's life over decades. He was the same guy where it says Daniel resolved not to defile defile himself. He didn't partake of the king's delicacies. He just chose not to live that way. He actually chose to live the way that... God wanted him to live. See, people need to see that we're different. It's not only just in our lifestyles that we're different and that we live different, that we live a, a pure and holy and upright life, that we love all people, that we serve people, that we take care of people. We love our neighbor as ourself. We find needs and we fill them. We don't find ourselves on opposite sides like racism on one side. No, we're in the middle. I mean, we're here, we're loving, trying to get people together and creating unity and love and forgiveness and healing and hope. It's why we do what we do in the city when when we, we, all of our foster care stuff that we do and sex trafficking, reaching out to sex trafficking victims, what we're doing with our youth. And you look at our schools and you talk about the homeless and working with law enforcement. We recognize these are people groups in our city that are just struggling. So we choose to serve them and love them. We want to show them. We want to demonstrate, not just proclaim now, I, I just want to encourage you, July 13th, I'm just going to throw out a little thought for you. Every group, every person of Manor House, we want you to serve. We're doing a thing called Serve Day. We get thousands and thousands of us to just go show the love of Jesus. You're not in a group, get in a group. Every group is going to go out and we're going to find a way to paint someone's house, mow someone's lawn, serve in some area, because we, we, we don't just want to know the truth. We want to show the truth. There's people around you all day long. Lives are falling apart, depressed, divorce, suicide, someone struggling, doing something wrong in their world of their life. Show them, go go pray with them, go go love them, go cry with them. So recently had just a dear friend lose a loved one in his family. I I just wanted to go to his house and just cry with him. Say, I'm just here for you. I want to show you that I love you. We have that opportunity every single day. If we just shut off the noise, look around, know the truth, show the truth. And when that opportunity presents itself, we got to go and tell the truth. This is what Daniel did. And you look at the end of this whole story. He gets this opportunity to speak to the king. He's not afraid. He's bold. He's not filled with fear. Verse 24, it says, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the most high. It's not your 90-foot statue. And by the way, it's not you. It's the king of kings. It's Yahweh. It's the most high which is come upon my Lord, the King, that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And he begins to talk to him, God, man, problem, solution. We're starting with God. He's starting to say, hey, listen, there's a problem. There's sin in your life. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. And he goes on and he says this. "Uh, Beasts of the field. I'll look at my notes here. I'm so sorry. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know. Here's the solution. Till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will. And he goes on and he says, listen, you got to break off your sins. You got to turn yourself from all of your iniquities, practice righteousness, show mercy to others. And here's Daniel, like he's in this moment. He's watching all before his eyes. He's given this wonderful privilege to go and tell the truth. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? I mean, there's certain parts of the Bible sometimes we we just don't like because they, they confront our Western Christianity, our carnal Christianity. This is what Jesus said. Go into the world and preach the gospel, the good news to everyone. Like this isn't the great suggestion. This is, this is, like this is the great commandment. This is like parting words. Jesus is saying, like you're going to call me your God, you're gonna call yourself a Christian, then go. Go and tell him. He gave us the privilege. It's not an obligation. I share my faith with people not because it's an obligation, I share it out of gratitude. I recognize what He did for me. I recognize that I deserve hell and I got heaven. I got Jesus. I got God. I got my life blessed. I got you. I got family. How can I not share? Got to know the truth. We got to show it and then we got to go and tell it. I love this scripture. Just go out into the highways and byways, the hedges. I like this, compel people to come in. Just stop and think about for a moment. Easter's right around the corner. We're just right there. Who are you supposed to compel? Who are you supposed to talk to? Person at work, marketplace, school, neighbor, relative, friend. They're screaming, guys. Come on. They're screaming. Tell me. Tell me. We look at their lives. They're falling apart. They're doing a bunch of drugs or they're unhappy or depressed. Their marriages are falling apart right in front of our eyes. It's kind of like they're saying what Nebuchadnezzar said, "Tell me." They look at your life, they see the joy, they see the peace. They're just they're just saying, "Please tell me." What a privilege. I say this all the time, but before I leave the door, I always pray this prayer. God put someone in my path today. Just one two, three, wherever it is, God, someone I can pray for, someone I can love, someone I can let them know that there's a God who loves them. What would it look like as we close this series, as we springboard ourselves into this divine moment where churches will literally double in size next weekend because people are flooding in. What would it look like if your relative, your friend, your neighbor, your coworker sat right next to you. They raised their hand and said, "I need God. There's no greater joy in the world to me than seeing a lost person give their life to Jesus." Let me pray for you if you wouldn't mind. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us. God, you came in the form of a man. You sent your son who deserved no punishment, but God at all, he took on the sins of all of humanity. Over 20 billion people to date, every wrong thought, every wrong action, They raced before his mind as he died one of the most horrific deaths so that we could simply have a way to have a relationship with you. Remind us, God. God, remind us the price, the cost that was paid just for me, for us. Lord, let it propel us to just stop with the noise and the busyness of just kind of doing life. Let us realize that, Lord, the plane is going down. Most people won't make it. Every time our heart beats, someone dies without you. 2.3 2.3 million people, Portland, Vancouver, that don't know Christ. They're around us by the thousands every day. God, God, help us, God, to know your truth. And God, help us to show your truth. God, help us to go and tell. Lord, I pray this week for every person as they leave here. God, you put a boldness on them. Give them divine appointments. God, help them not be busy. Let them just tune into what you're saying. Simply just invite them, share with them, pray with them, cry with them. Slow down just to be present in that moment. And Lord, let the end result be that hundreds and hundreds of people are come to know you, that heaven would be populated with thousands of people as a result of Manahouse and our family. Thank you for that, God. And just one last thing before we close today. Again, just if you wouldn't mind keeping your your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give an opportunity for any person in this room, anybody online. You're here this morning, and for the first time, you realize you're doing life without the parachute. You realize that you're separated from Him. And the only way that you can have a personal, intimate relationship with the Father, the only way that you're going to escape, if I could just preach the truth, escape escape eternal damnation separated from God, is to simply ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. He'll give you a new start, He'll wipe away your shame and your guilt. That doesn't mean that you'll have problems, but you have God with you in your problems. He's going to give you a new nature, a new identity. It just simply comes down to this place of just going, Jesus, forgive me. I've sinned. Come and fill my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. He'll do that. And if you're here this morning, and you're saying right now, again, eyes closed, heads bowed. Pastor Mark, that's me this morning. I need Jesus in my life. Just slip your hand up real quickly. Hand up. Eyes are closed. Just put it up. Come on. Come on. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Just put your hand up. Anyone else? Come on. Thank you. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. New start, new life. Maybe you're unsure, maybe you've fallen away, and you just want to make sure you're right with God. Come on, hand up, whoever you are. Just put your hand up. Let me just see it. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Thank you, Lord. If you're watching online, I just want to encourage you. There's a little button that you can click right there, too. Someone, there's a service host that can help you. And I have service host that's just going to give you a little purple card. If you'd fill that out for me, please, and just give us your name and number. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you. There's some information there that will help you. Come on, Man of the House family, would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands together for all these people that raise their hands? <laughs> Amen. So awesome. I think you know a great way to end the service? You do a little praise party, right? Come on. Why don't you stand to your feet. Let's give Jesus some glory this morning. Come on. Thank you for listening to another Man of House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.